Welcome. This is Jeff Kober with another episode of Disney at Play podcast, and we are grateful to have you with us today. It is a beautiful day here in Orlando, and I have the privilege and distinct honor and unbelievable opportunity to be talking to my good friend Jim Corcus. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm 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 doing uh, uh, pretty well, and and we're going to be talking about. Uh, extinct Walt Disney World today uh, to theme in with uh, uh, my recent book, Secret Stories of Extinct Walt Disney World, that's now available on Amazon, where there's over a hundred chapters of things that have disappeared from Walt Disney World over the last 50 years, and that includes me, and and this week, uh, apparently... uh, uh, and my heart goes out to them. So many other Disney cast members have now become uh, extinct at Walt yes. Disney World. I, I, I never thought that uh, uh, that would ever happen. You, you know, wh- one of the things is uh, we tend to take so much for uh, for granted, and especially at a, at a theme park, especially at a Disney theme park, we just assume it's always going to be there, Right. The Jungle Cruise will always be there. You know, Haunted Mansion will always be there. And in a way, they have been, but they've gone through a lot of um, renovations and uh, changes over that time just to survive. And other things usually uh, are lucky uh, to last their uh, 20 years. And uh, then again, because Disney is not a museum, it, it's a, a, a living entity, and also it's a business. And in order to be um, a thriving business, you have to constantly uh, refresh and add. And, and one of the questions I always get asked, and I, I, I got asked that uh, you know, with, with this book, is for Walt Disney World, it, it has all of that space. It has all of that that land, you know. Why couldn't they keep, you know, horizons and then also build mission yeah. space? And, and 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 I said, look, from a business standpoint, it, it's not just space. You're talking about staffing. You're talking about maintenance. You know, and um, so well, there was a decision. There was a decision made. I think it was led by Judson too in the 1990s, where. Yeah. And, and you many, might want to explain you're talking about Judson, Judson Green, Green, right? Yeah, which, which, by the who, way, who I, I thought honored. was an outstanding leader. Outstanding yeah. leader. Yeah. Uh, if you look on our playlist about uh, 10, 10 uh, podcasts ago, we did a memoriam, I think, uh, very suitable to his life and his situation. But one of the th- thoughts and conversations that came out of the 90s was, well, how many attractions do you add to the park? Especially... Mm-hmm. Um, when you're trying to allocate budget and funds to the building of other parks, particularly at that time, um, mm-hmm. Disney's Animal Kingdom, and even um, the continual building on of Disney's Hollywood Studios, and it came to the, uh, it came to a decision that at some point you have to balance this out. If you want to have four parks operating, then you have to have a balance of attractions in all four parks to kind of make that happen. And that's never really completely happened in the sense that, you know, the Magic Kingdom has far more to offer than the other parks. But at the same time, they did say, okay, if you're going to, 
if you're going to build another attraction, then you need to take something out of it, uh, something from its place. So that brings us. Well, 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 so that's, that's like my brother telling his, his, his son, if you're going to get a new toy at Christmas, you have to give up one of the toys <laughs> you already, you have to, and, and I thought, Mike, that's a terrible thing to say to your son. I, I said, I know you want to, you know, uh, impress upon him, you know, that there's not, not an unlimited amount of toys you can have and how valuable it is to, you know, donate to, to charity to less fortunate, you know, to toys that you're no longer interested in, but to set that hard and fast rule is, is kind of uh, yeah. hard. And and then, of course, you know, even though this isn't the business podcast you do, the the, the point is, will that new, how much will that new attraction generate additional attendance? Yes. You know, and, and, and especially at Walt Disney World, where they do those studies that it takes people on average about three to five years uh, to save up to go on a Walt Disney World vacation. And so at one time they had that, uh, uh, I, I, saw, I saw this spreadsheet or, or whatever of, well, every X number of years you need to have a new parade or a new thing because that's when the cycle starts again or, you know, within yeah. that cycle you, you'll have uh, those people returning so there'll always be something new but but sometimes people don't want something new they they want something that they remember that they're familiar with that, that, they, they, cherish. that they that they cherish absolutely they they fell in love with it and and for them that was their Walt Disney World experience you know so, having that there that was it so like it or not uh the truth is is this is now given them and awful lot of stories to talk about in his secret stories of extinct Walt Disney World, the world that disappeared, a book that's just come out. And so just his outline, but so you know, just his outline of what he covers in this book is five pages, six pages here. So yes. uh, we are going, we could not possibly cover I, all of it. And, and, and we talked about this before we started recording is even with all of that in the book, there's so much that is still left out. Still left. <laughs> so for that reason, I'm going to throw Jim a few uh, curveballs to see if he can mm -hmm. recall some some uh, particular pieces. But, you know, let's start on some familiar territory. And one of them is one that you are very familiar with. It is the sword in the stone ceremony. Tell us how that came about, Jim. Excuse me, once again. The sword in the I, stone. I, I, <laughs> oh, the sword, the sword in the stone. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, I was a friend. Uh, yeah, I had to. Uh, that's the, that's the problem in this era where you have <laughs> you're dealing with phones and 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 the Zoom and Skype and all that. Every now and then, there's that that little uh, uh, break, you know, where where suddenly a word clicks out or. A, Constant click uh, yes, I thought I, you were I, putting I, on your I, I best was, Merlin right there, Jim. I thought you were just uh, becoming a well, 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 yes, I, 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 I was a friend. Uh, I was a friend of uh, Merlin. Oh yes, you're looking for the new uh, royal ruler, temporary royal ruler of Fantasyland. Oh dear, dear. Oh yes, 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 yes. And um, 
Well, what, what great fun that was. And, and also the uh, costume alone weighed 40 pounds. So I could eat whatever I wanted. And not only did I not gain weight, I actually lost weight because uh, the poor Merlin there had, had to do that in front of the carousel and then afterwards had to run back uh, to the dressing rooms, which uh, uh, were behind where the uh, 20,000 leagues, um, you know, attraction was, was, you know, right around the corner, there's some restrooms there and then there's a little cast member only door. And you had to do that because if you stayed out there, you were out there for the, the next set. You know, you were signing all of these uh, uh, autographs and the tech had to come on and, and say, oh, Merlin, uh, uh, King Arthur needs you back in the castle. And you had to, to trot off or else you did not get a break. And you had to reload um, a pigeon uh, for the carpet bag. And there, there were other things that had to be reloaded as well as stand in front of a fan to try and, you know, get the get the uh, uh, sweat off of you, you uh, again you know disney guests never see any of these things this is all you know very very seamless and again when it comes to signing autographs you think oh whoa what, what a wonderful you know uh, uh thing this is and and it is but you have to learn how to sign merlin's autograph and there's actually classes you take because Mickey's autograph always has to look exactly the same. So if you've got Mickey's autograph at the Contemporary, it's got to look exactly like Mickey's autograph at the Magic Kingdom or Mickey's autograph at uh, uh, the Character Breakfast or, or whatever. And so, you know, you learn how to do that. And then you uh, get all of these um, uh, 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 kids coming up mm-hmm. and some of them thinking that you're Dumbledore <laughs> and uh, or, or 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 at, or at the time, too, Page Master, who uh, was a a character in a non-Disney film, and uh, uh, all of that. But but they just saw everybody else waiting in line for the autograph. And then, even then, you were taught there were only a, you always had to make sure that both of your hands were visible in every photograph that was taken. Mm. Um. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, but a, what a wonderful, you know, uh, chance to interact with guests and, and, and you would have easily two dozen, sometimes four dozen people, uh, yeah. you know, at a show you did, you did several shows a day, but what happens is again, it comes down to money. The official explanation why the show disappeared was, well, filler magic has opened and uh, having that show so close interrupts the line that is trying to get into Phil Magic. The real reason was, okay, you're, you're cutting uh, the salary of an equity performer and more importantly, a technician who is up on the roof of Sir Mickey's. And, uh-huh. and he, w- he, he was the one who would release the sword so it would come up. And again, it doesn't come up all the way because it's a very bad idea to have a little kid running around with a sword. <laughs> and, and, and then the technician also resets the sword. But there was also sound cues 
and and things like that. And of right. course, he was up on that roof with just a little uh, 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 folding chair and an umbrella. And so if it was bad weather, uh, they would cancel the show because they couldn't put the tech up on the roof. Up on the it roof. would have been fine to send poor Merlin out. But you can't, you know, but now once you cancel that show, now you can move that tech to another show. So, you know, it's still a lovely show. And 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 while the film wasn't uh, Disney's most popular oh, the no. scene where where Arthur pulls the sword out of the stone is is truly one of the sweetest moments in in Disney in Disney films and the, 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 the show itself was really sweet because the kid who pulled it out would get a little medallion on a lanyard and would also get a signed certificate from Merlin. You know, what a wonderful, you know, little, uh, extra little plus, you know, when Disney does something right, they really do it right. And, um, Again, I also think that uh, for some people, that was their their memorable moment. You know, they and 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 the fact that they were that close to a uh, a Disney performer. You know, I I think that was one of the joys of uh, uh, Streetmosphere. It was at, a very uh, interactive experience. Tell me, yes. um, was was this was the sword originally in the New Fantasyland at Disneyland, and then it came to Walt Disney World? Is that yes, is, yes, is and, that... and and in fact, in fact, it was an addition for the New Fantasyland. It was a, an addition by um, Tony Baxter. Imagineer Tony Baxter came up with that idea, and in fact, the ceremony at Disneyland initially was much more elaborate. They had the make believe brass which was a series of oh, um, yeah. three uh, trumpet players who, who would be out there with Merlin. And uh, it, there was a different way of releasing uh, the sword than uh, over at Walt Disney World. So when it moved over to Walt Disney World, they did you know, various upgrades, but that upgrade also in, included Yes, we'll have a, a tech doing music cues rather than actual three performers out there uh, uh, doing that. But but yes, and 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 again, you know, it, it even today I see people go and try and pull on on that sword or or use oh, yeah. it as a as a, a photo opportunity. Jim, one of the earlier, let's move to uh, tomorrow then. We can. Uh, one of the earliest attractions to Tomorrowland um, and one of the short-lived attractions to um, Tomorrowland was was Flight to the Moon. Uh, tell, us, <laughs> tell us, was there, and, and, and you and I have done Flight to the Moon and Mission to Mars, which followed uh, right. all before Alien Encounter and subsequently Stitch. But Mm -hmm. Tell us, do you know anything about the thinking at that time? Because it's 71, we've already gone to the moon, and, and Flight to the Moon never did get to the moon. It, 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 <laughs> it, it showcased what was going on at the moon. Uh, we had a, a you know anti-gravity um, jumping party kind of thing going on there, but we never got there because of right. meteor storms or whatever. But So 
tell us what you understand about the early days of that attraction and what was happening. Well, well, be, be, because it, it was uh, one of those uh, heritage attractions. It was one of the uh, because it was uh, an original attraction at Disneyland where it was called Rocket to the Moon, and then mm. was uh, yeah. was redone and uh, uh, with uh, contributions from NASA and all that into Flight, Flight to the Moon, uh, uh, actually just months uh, before the moon landing. And so NASA, being very naughty, hid a lot of information from Disney so they couldn't incorporate it into the attraction. So when Flight to the Moon opened, it was supposed to have been, you know, yes, so advanced. And what happened, of course, is it was out of date within months of being open because we had landed on the moon. And, and again, uh, uh, people were getting very bored about, um, you know, uh, hard to believe now, but very bored about uh, the moon trips because they were so frequent. And so Disney decided, well, we, we've got to up our, our game. We're going to do you know we're going to go to mars and so uh you want to keep the same infrastructure which is that uh circular tiered theater mm -hmm. and there was a, a screen at the bottom and there was a screen at the top which was very clever because you could see where you had come from and see where where you were going and um uh they upped the game especially for mission uh mars with uh uh, uh, screens on the wall as well. You know, the, the exciting mm. thing about, about flight to the moon is one of the things is you actually got a transmission uh, uh, from astronauts on the moon, on a moon base, and they were demonstrating, you know, gravity, you know, throwing each other around on the, on the surface and all of that. Well, you couldn't have that. So when it came to uh, uh, being redone as a uh, mission to Mars, uh, suddenly now, uh, what you've got is you've got footage of uh, from NASA of outer space, and and it's like the probe is showing us on Mars. The da 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 da, da you know. And yeah. and 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 again, it, uh, for an unsophisticated time, it was you know a wonderful experience. I, I remember Imagineer Tony Baxter telling me that it was uh, when he went to Disneyland, it was one of his favorite uh, attractions until he realized I'm walking on this carpet into the spaceship. What happens when the door closes? Is the carpet hanging <laughs> the outside? Yeah. Is it, you know? I've heard you uh, say that. But I got to tell you, my, I remember as a little kid, my heart took off when, yeah. when those seat cushions moved, however they moved. Hydraulic lift. So, yes, you would you would feel yourself being lifted, and then they would suddenly drop, which was supposed to uh, uh, mimic anti gravity until until the ship you know uh, switched on it, its gravity there. So so that wouldn't happen to you, you know. And 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 you would hear uh, talk about an interactive experience. You would hear little meteorites, you know, hitting the outside of the. The, the ship and, and all that. And, and then for Mars, they had to come up with uh, something where there's that hyper boost. So, yes, you're now out in space. Yeah. Suddenly there's this hyper boost. So now you're at Mars and, you know, you come back. And, uh, again, I, I think uh, 
one of the things that, uh, especially about Mission to Mars, that uh, beloved was was the uh, uh, the pre-show, the Q line, where where you have those audio animatronic uh, characters, you know, in the control room. Tom and they're, they're, and Mr. Johnson. Yes, and 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 they're they're telling you about all of these things, and it never occurs to you at the time that Tom Morrow is only from the waist up because he's behind a computer console. Mm -hmm. So only the part that's being seen by the audience needs to be costumed and finished. And, and below it, 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 it's just, you know, this metal and pumps and, and, and things like this. But yeah. And, and, and again, you see the albatross come in to make, you know, uh, the stumbly uh, uh, landing. And, and again, it's so iconic that, um, that in fact, that particular film clip is still used at uh, Horizons. Uh, you know, not Horizons, uh, Mission Space. And, oh yes, yes, um, they, uh, yes, it's a, a mod. Uh, yeah, so so you see, you know, little uh, bits and pieces of those things. They they just uh, uh, stick with you. And and of course, the the uh, uh, mission to to Mars theater was then uh, uh, refitted for. Um, uh, extraterrestrial, and uh, then later uh, Stitch's uh, uh, Great Escape, both of which are, are also extinct now. They, they, things you blink your eyes, and and things are gone. And then they're gone. Tell me, uh, let's let's move to Frontierland, um, my beloved Diamond Horseshoe review um oh god you, you and me both buddy you and me both my understanding is wally actually came out for the first year or two yeah yes for the first yeah for the first year he, he was out here because uh again uh out in um uh california he he was the one who literally uh, uh created that show you know i I, I went through the Disney archives and all that because I, I was trying to find, you know, uh, was there a, you know, uh, full script and, and who was the writer and and all of this. And actually what it was was it was just pretty much a, a patchwork, a patchwork thing that was, uh, you know, uh, uh, slapped, uh, slapped together, you know, and uh, uh, they had... Uh, uh, Tom Adair and uh, the uh, original piano player uh, okay. uh, there write the music. Uh, Charles LeFerb, uh was the piano player. Uh, write, you know, hello everybody, you know. Uh, we're glad to have you. Yeah. Golden horseshoe, diamond horseshoe. See, yeah, it sticks in your mind. And, and then uh, Wally and uh, uh, the uh, Irish tenor, Donis, Donald uh, Novus, you know, just mm -hmm. kept tossing things in to see what would work. And then they got that pattern. And uh, again, the, the longest running stage show in uh, Guinness book of world record uh, uh, histories. And so, yes, uh, they definitely wanted it out here. And so um, uh, Wally, who uh, was Pecos bill and, and uh, you know, uh, the uh, traveling salesman, uh, it came out here while his understudy uh, uh, did the show in Disneyland, um, Avi Burgess. And, um, uh, you know, they, it came out here and they got it set up. And then uh, Wally just missed California and went back to California. And then Hubby came uh, uh, out here and, and did that. And 
how would you explain that show to people who have never seen that show? The long-running show, love, lovely show. How would you explain it? I would explain it as one of the finest pieces of entertainment while dining on bologna sandwiches. That's what <laughs> I recall. Yes, it, well, and that and, was it. And, and, free and, it, and it was and free. free. It was chips. a free show. It was a free show. You, you you had to check in over at the Golf Hospitality House in the morning. Um, because because seating was limited, even though it was, was limited, you know, you there, there was only so many people you could put in there. Yeah, absolutely. So seating was limited. You know, it's interesting because it still plays in Tokyo Disney and it's a 70 roughly yen to dollars. It's about a $70 ticket to go see the Diamond Horseshoe. Wow. The Golden uh, Horseshoe. I, I can't remember which they name it out there. But um, but to see it out there. You have to pay seventy dollars to see that show, and it's a it's a dinner show kind of thing, much more formalized. It's a, it's amazing that they haven't, and now it sits with an empty stage except for a player piano that just plays. And, yeah, um, it's it's it is probably and, one and, of the and, most and, disappointing, uh, poorest uses of resources in in the Magic Kingdom to to have it just sit there <laughs> as a as, uh, as as an extra dining, well, what they could do is they could charge fifty bucks for the meal and not have to do the entertainment, and people pay for right. it, and it's disappointing. But boy, was it a great show, and it was a great oh, part oh, it, of it, the it, it was wonderful. It, it was it was it went at Disneyland. It was uh, Walt's favorite show, and 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 again, the the show at Walt Disney World was an absolute clone of it. You know, uh, note for note. Um, uh, you, you know, and 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 so yes, you you have uh, uh, Slewfoot Sue who who, who uh, sings and enchants the audience, and you have a an Irish tenor who comes on and and does that, and you have uh, a traveling salesman who comes up there and does uh, uh, balloon animals and jokes and uh, uh, things like this, and then at the end you have the big finale, which is. Uh, the Can Can Dancing Girls, and you have um, uh, the Pecos Bill song, where where Pecos Bill gets uh, uh, smacked in mm -hmm. the mouth, and he starts spitting out teeth. Spitting out corn nuggets. Yep. Yes. Corn and, um, you know, a 30-minute show, and it's and just absolutely uh, uh, wonderful, and uh, it, it was sponsored by... Um, Pepsi Cola and and people forget this that that both Pepsi and Coke uh, were served not only at Disneyland but at Walt Disney World. Right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, at Walt Disney World for the first uh, uh, ten years, you know, Coke didn't become the um, uh, primary uh, uh, soft drink uh, provider until it sponsored um, uh, American Adventure when Epcot opened. And and basically, Coca Cola said we'll sponsor this pavilion as long as we're. And Disney offered uh, Pepsi to make a counter offer, and Pepsi didn't. And so Coke then uh, took over. And, and in fact, yeah. I just recently well, had Coke to took over with the with the Epcot um, mm -hmm. sponsorship at the American Adventure. Um, and and so and so then became the uh, soft drink that. provider for. 
for Walt Disney World. Yeah. And and I recently had to uh, answer a question. They said, how come they don't serve Donald Duck orange juice at yeah. Walt Disney World? You know, it, it's the longest uh, surviving uh, Disney lessee, you know, from 1941. And and of course, out here in Florida, you know, uh, the, the, it's uh, made out in uh, uh, Lake Wales, as it as it's always been. Do you know the answer why they don't serve Donald Duck orange juice on Walt Disney World I property? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Uh, it's because of what we were just talking about. So that's that's why there's all these dotted connections. It's because Coca-Cola is the primary soda uh, provider uh, for uh, Walt Disney World, and one of its products is Minute Maid orange juice. Uh, okay. So, so that's why you can't serve Donald Duck orange juice because it would that be in conflict with Minute Maid orange. That juice. makes sense. Of course, um, we both know of the Orange Bird that did. Um, oh yes. Spend a considerable amount of time gracing Adventureland. But what I wanted to ask you, this is this is yeah, well, and, here. and there, 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 there's an example of something that was extinct, and then it was brought back. Yes. Oh my goodness, brought back. I've got my. Orange Bird tumbler up, up above me from you know the Epcot Food and Wine. I mean, it's it's all over merchandise. We never would have if I had told you in the nineties, Jim. Yeah, hey, remember that Orange Bird character? He's going to yes. come back in a big way, and they're going to have all sorts of merchandise around. Uh, yeah, there, there'll food. be T-shirts. There'll be all. Exactly. I, I would go hardy, har har har. Yeah, you, you dream, dream, dream again. Yeah, dream again. You think I was crazy, but okay. So here's the question of the day. Um, in the original Walt Disney World map, we have listed the Safari Club, which was a sort of arcade, right? And apparently, if I'm correct, the first attraction that actually did um, die, yes, at, at Disney World. What do you know about the the Safari Club? Well, again, you know, uh, there was never much uh, in uh, Adventureland, you know, and so you're constantly looking to see what can you add, what can you plus, mm. and also what can you do on a um, a budget, right? In, instead of putting in the infrastructure of a new uh, attraction or something, and so arcades, especially. You know, uh, in the early days of uh, Walt Disney World, were still you know very popular. You know, it was very popular to go in and pick up a gun and 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 shoot at things, and and so uh, you know you you Safari Club was was a pretty uh, uh, elaborate type type of uh, arcade with. Uh, uh, animals going back and forth, and you firing I, at them. And I barely remember. I barely, barely remember Big Game Hunt Safari. Big Game Safari. Mm -hmm. I think it had a couple of different right. names at Disneyland, in approximately the same relative location. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I remember it, what I do seem to remember of that shooting gallery. It was very colorful. It was very much like the Frontierland Shooting Gallery, moving targets that, you know, kind of cycled or rotated. 
Is that your recall of, of that? Yeah, no, a, a, absolutely. And, and in fact, it was done uh, by the uh, uh, same outside vendor. I, I want to say uh, 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 Mashlin uh, off the top of my head here, because mm -hmm. they also did the ones at, at uh, Disneyland. And, and again, originally those were pellets. And right. one of the Which reasons, uh, you, one of the reasons, yeah, you, you replaced it is because it, it's becoming a maintenance nightmare to repaint it every night. And, and in fact, originally, um, the uh, figures and all and, and the background, uh, very detailed because, again, you had the Disney, uh, you know, Imagineering artists in there uh, uh, doing this. But but once they keep getting hit by these metal uh, uh, pellets and and you're painting over it, you're losing you know all all of that uh, detail. Yeah, and and it, it just in terms of the amount of uh, uh, time that it takes for people to do that, and the the amount of, of paint. I I, I, I remember uh, one time reading this ridiculous amount of paint it took every year just to repaint the, those things. And, and again, um, uh, also that, that fell out of uh, favor. And, um, but generally, all, all of those little quarters, you know, that, that kids were sticking in were not covering the overhead of, of maintaining, uh, you know, that attraction. And, uh, you know, we're also getting into the era where people are uh, at Walt Disney World are starting to think, gee, that could be merchandise space. <laughs> and, 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 and that's why we kept losing so many things, uh, uh, too. So many one, you know, I, 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 st I still grumble about uh, losing half of uh, uh, Center Street on Main Street USA at Magic Kingdom, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for, for another merchandise shop that was selling the exact same merchandise you could buy anywhere else. You know, if, if it had been a merchandise shop that was um, uh, specific to, to something that, you know, oh my gosh, this is the only place you could get it, I might have given way to that. But, you know, by, by cutting off Center Street there, you're actually making Main Street much smaller because those uh, Center Street is supposed to give you that little uh, break of walking up the street, you know, so it's not this long, you know, haul, this hike, you yeah. know, down to the hub. You, you've, you've got, you know, this natural little uh, uh, break, you know, and now here's another section and you're, you're going to go. And also uh, the Center Street represented um, Infinity Street. Uh, if you take a look, Center Street would go and then it would curve. And logically we know, oh yes, that's going Just to the door to a backstage area. But emotionally you're going, oh, there's more city. There's more town. It, it's Very going similar on. to a backlot stage. While we're, why don't we stop there for a second? And there was the flower mart that was always there for many years yes. along with Harmony. Uh, barbershop being oh the harmony barbershop oh i love that yes uh it was eventually relocated to the toward the toward uh town square but it, and and the flowers were something that was at disneyland too do, do you ever know the story of why why we had flowers or what that was all about 
Now, do um, you know the story? I don't. I don't. That's <laughs> that's why I invite you on the show. <laughs> okay, no, no. okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I never, I never know whether you're setting me up. Oh, you no, know, no, to, no. Make me, to make me look good, or no, I wish you really do. No, no. The 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 flowers were there. It's because uh, that was something that Walt remembered uh, uh, from his Main Street experiences, and hmm. also the fact that Lillian loved flowers. And and so there are a lot of things uh, on Main Street that are there because Lillian wanted them there. You know, outside the uh, uh, ice cream parlor, you know, you have that, that seating area and, and all of that out there. The same thing at, at the end of Main Street, that right as you hit the hub there, you've got that ice cream shop and then you've got that outside seating area and all that. Same thing at, at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And I was asking uh, John Hench about that. And he said, oh, yeah, it, it was like Lillian told Walt that she just wanted places where they could just sit because she enjoyed that so much when they did their travels uh, over to Europe that uh, there were there were places, especially in France, there were little flower marts and there were also little places where you could just sit outside and watch. You didn't have to rush. You didn't have to order something or whatever. And so that's that's why that area is there. And and of course, all of this is forgotten these days. You know, people who are uh, operating the park now uh, don't know this, and and many of them just frankly are not interested in knowing, you know, why that is there. That's why oftentimes you get uh, some of these arbitrary uh, changes. Uh, in the parks, it's because they don't know why that's there, what what function that serves, what what that is is supposed to be. You know, we, we talk about you know things going extinct at Walt Disney World, and usually we like to talk about the big things like the the attractions and the shows and the and and and, and the restaurants. But there are little things that go extinct. All the time, you know, it, it, the uh, Emporium on Main Street used to have on its walls uh, shadow boxes and uh, uh, framed photos and up on the top shelves, old toys and all that, because it was telling the story of the family that operated uh, the Emporium and and uh, how it, it was then... Um, uh, uh, transferred to to the next generation and the next generation, and, and how you know the emporium uh, expanded. You you can even see that in the interior. No one knows this story anymore. But it, but it started out you know facing towards the train station, and mm-hmm. then it expanded into the building next to it. That's why you see that the lighting fixtures are different, and and that there's the that circular type of. Uh, Room that, that that and then it expanded to to the, the next store next to it and in fact in the original days uh, doesn't exist anymore but on the uh, back wall facing the uh, uh, center street uh, they had boards going across the wall so it would look like they had boarded up the window you know because the the store had expanded nobody gets that story anymore They're just like the <laughs> confectionery. Uh, uh, thing they they used to have little framed pictures of uh, Dr. Thomas McCrum, 
Because yes. nowadays nobody questions why are all these mechanical gadgets, you know, in a uh, in a candy uh, shop? Candy well, store. it's because yeah, a dentist and and that's the gag. Here's a dentist and he opens a candy shop. A dentist, you know, went to the Columbian Exposition and he he saw all the new technology and he thought he could incorporate that. And I, I think in the confectionery, it's been a while since I've, I've been in there. I think they still have a poster for the Columbian Exposition, but that's why it was there. But they used to have little framed photos of Thomas McCrum, Dr. Thomas McCrum and his family and, and, and all that. But, but again, who's to say that they're wrong, right? I, I paid attention to that. I thought, I thought, oh, my gosh, oh, yes, of course. You know, but I guess today it's that, you know, reservation vacation, you know, rushing to for your fast pass, rushing for, you know, your reservation, uh, 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 your restaurant, whatever, you know, and, and not taking a moment to stop. And I, I, I'm in our bar. As long as I've got out my grumpy old man cane and I'm waving it in the air and venting, um, the, uh, the uh, car barn on Main Street used to be open, and and you yes. could go in there, and 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 you could see a, a horse in the stall. You you could talk to the driver. You you'd see the uh, uh, harnesses being polished. You you saw that uh, there was an Edison light bulb uh, that Disney bought from a, a man in uh, Virginia who was hand making them. Uh, at eight bucks a, a light bulb, an authentic Edison light bulb, and you saw the light switch had the two prongs, mm-hmm. and one of the prongs had uh, mother of pearl on it because when the electricity went out, you had to be able to tell on the light switch whether it was on or off, and so you could tell by running your finger across that. Oh, the mother of pearl is 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 sticking out, so this is on. I need to push it this way. You know, for, for you know it's happen. funny you mentioned that because of, because of legal reasons, they don't have people coming to and from. But on days where they don't run the trolley, they will just allow the horse to stand there at the opening of the barn and, and people come and have their picture taken or whatever. But I have been in the barn many, many times because mm-hmm. they've been very good to our autistic son. And all of that theming actually is still there. Uh, checkerboard, um, a stove, um, windows. It, all of that is all that propping is still there because they wanted to make that as authentic as possible uh, to the experience. So you're absolutely right. Um, about yeah, that, that. That's, a, that's an authentic cavalry lantern that's hanging up there on the post. Those, those metal stone blocks on the side wall are also authentic. What they would do is they would heat that up on a stove and then wrap it in a blanket so that you could put it, you know, on your lap on a cold, you know, uh, uh, ride, you know, in, in a carriage or something like that. So, and, let's, and um, the posters. Yeah, let's go back mm-hmm. to um, uh, let's go back to Tomorrowland, if you don't mind. And not at all. Um, it's your show. You can you can go anywhere <laughs> you want. <laughs> well, you have so many things. I don't think we're gonna get out of the Magic Kingdom today. Let's just just put it that way. Because well, there, there, then there'll be another podcast for another time. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. the The original exit ramp to Space Mountain, RCA, home of future living. What tell mm-hmm. us what you know about that 
Um, it's the exit of the attraction. Uh, and in fact, if you didn't have, um, if you didn't uh, want to go on the ride, they made it possible for you to just see the show that they had at the end. Tell us, give us some context to the, to RCA and the, uh, again, the, the home of the future. Here's to you. RCA leads the way, leads the way. Leads the way. <laughs> RCA. Um, well, listen, I, I'm old enough. I remember the jingle uh, RCA, Victor, color TV. I know what I've been missing now. Wow. I got color TV. Um but the but the other thing at at the exit of, of uh, uh, uh wait are we talking spaceship earth are we talking no, space we're talking mountain? we are talking space mountain RCAs okay. um yeah uh uh home of I think it was called um RCA's home of future living or something of that nature. And they, it may right, have had right. a couple of reiterate, a couple of different uh, variations over the years. What, what do you know about RCA and Disney together? Absolutely nothing. No, I, no <laughs> RCA, 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 of course, was um, the uh, uh, big sponsor of um, the uh, weekly Disney TV show. You know when mm. um, I, I, selling Disney televisions for NBC, ABC to NBC. And, yeah. and of course, one of the reasons for that, and one of the reasons I remember that little uh, uh, jingle, was because RCA was trying to sell color TV. And one of the ways they would sell color TV is if you have color TV, you can see the Disney uh, TV show in full living color. And uh, so RCA was a longtime um, uh, sponsor. Uh, of uh, not only the show, but uh, uh, of course, uh, uh, of the parks. And um, uh, uh, of course, uh, 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 John Hench and um, Marty Scalar uh, tried to sell um, uh, RCA on an attraction because RCA said, yes, we're willing to, you know, uh, spend X amount of million dollars on an attraction at Disneyland because mm -hmm. this will be a wonderful billboard for RCA because you go on this attraction, you have a wonderful time, and you keep seeing the word RCA, and that will, be, you know, stick in your mind. And um, so uh, Hench and Scalar um, pitched the idea of being in a giant computer because, again, wanted something futuristic. RCA is moving into the future and we want to, you know, have people associate RCA with the future. And, um, uh, uh, basically they, they went to, to, uh, a, a meeting and the head of RCA was put at the end of this long, long conference table and Scalar and Hench were down at the other end you know, mm -hmm. do, doing this pitch for this attraction. Mm -hmm. And the head of RCA wrote a, a little, uh, wrote something on a note and passed it to the person next to him and it passed down to the end of the table. And Scalata finally got it at the end of the table and the note said, who are these people? 
and 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 so you know, and he and he got up and he walked out of the room, and uh, so Scalar turned to Hinch and he said, "Look, we're going to do this again, but just do what you want to do. You know, let, forget the computer, forget all of this other stuff. Do what you want to do." And that's when Hench came up with uh, the idea of a spaceport, you know, a space mountain, because Walt had always wanted a spaceport in, in Tomorrowland. And then the next time they came for the meeting, they uh, 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 took a chair in the middle of the table and wow. they blocked it off. And, and the RCA people came in and said, what? And he, they said, that's where the head of RCA is sitting. And they said, no, no, he said, he said, that's where he's sitting because we're sitting right opposite him and we're going to be talking to the person in that chair. So if you put him up at the head of the table, we'll be talking to him. And so that's where they, uh, you know, sold the idea of um, uh, Space Mountain. But again, you need something at the end of the attraction uh, to theme into that feeling of, yes, you know, you, you've been to outer space now. What, what is the future going to be like? What, what can we do? And so uh, that's when they hobbled all of that t- together. And it was like, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what um, uh, Dick Irvine, who, who is the, um, uh, who used to be president of uh, WED, which of course was Imagineering, uh, called them uh, uh, kitchen attractions. And the reason we a kitchen attraction is because uh, the Circorama uh, attraction uh, at um, uh, Disneyland uh, was uh, sponsored by, you know, Nash and Kelvinator and all that. And so not only did they make, you know, the Nash Rambler and all that, they made all these kitchen appliances. And so that was in the theater. So you go in and you see the theater, but you're seeing this ad for all of these, you know, things. And so, you know, uh, Space Mountain was another kitchen attraction is after you've gone through this, now you're going to see how the future is going to be so much better. Now we're going to the the future via TV sets everywhere you go. Yes, yes, yes. And and, and again, are, are, are they wrong? You know, people live by people <laughs> live true. by their screens now, That's right? That's true. It is. It is true that if um, we'll, we'll, um, I love that, and I think uh, I think that's appropriate. I'm going to move back out to Main Street. Uh, you talk about uh, now, now, do, we, do we do we have enough time? Or uh, again, I'm gonna, it's your I'm going to cover, okay. cover. We're going to cover one more thing, and that is the parade. And I wanted. To, to know of all the parades that have since come and gone, which which was your favorite, Jim, that came to Walt Disney World? Well, I, I, I certainly loved um, the Aladdin parade at Disney MGM Studios. Uh, okay. And, you know, with the, spit, the spitting camels and the different variations of, of the genie and, you know, uh, Aladdin and Jasmine on top of the huge elephant and and all of that. I I, I certainly uh, love all all of the parades have have something, you know, uh, appealing. Uh, but uh, uh, just offhand, without 
you know, going back and taking a, a, a look at all of the parades. I, I remember that being one of the uh, first Disney parades that really sort of stuck in my mind of that's the type of parade you could only see at Disney. Uh, what, what about you? Mm. You're probably going to come up with a parade and I'm going to go, wait a minute. No, no, wait a minute. That's my favorite. Yeah. But well, what, I, I what, was I was really intending to say say which was your favorite parade at at the Magic Kingdom. So my apologies for oh. not being more clear. But oh, I'm while sorry. you're thinking about that, I would say, and I and it and I would say, technically, I would probably say uh, America on Parade, but I never saw it at Mag, at Magic Kingdom. I only saw it at Disneyland. So I would okay. say the, those I've seen at Magic Kingdom, I would say, I would say, yeah, I well. Uh, the fantasy, the new one is good, but I, I really did love Spectral Magic, and I thought that it uh, was um, very clever with Turnabog opening his wings, with uh, with um, the entire finale float turning from all white lights to all colored lights. Um, I just thought there was so much that was so clever in that. Uh, in that nighttime parade, and I love the score that went, the the really full score that went with it. Uh, but yeah, no. I, see, see, I, I'm going to dis disagree with that. That I, I felt that while the Spectral Magic had some wonderful uh, technical aspects, including yes, that that Chernobog, I don't think it touched emotionally. You know, as as opposed to um, the electrical light parade. The electrical light parade. You can be in the worst mood in the world. You see that, and you're smiling by the end. There's, there's just, and and I think the beat in the electrical light parade, the musical beat, much uh, livelier than Spectro Magic. And and for me, wearing those, um, uh, in Spectro Magic, wearing those white face masks. Even though I understand We're how creepy. they relate to the story and all that, yeah, it's very, very creepy. And and yeah. and again, I I think there has to be that emotional connection. You know, I, I I really wanted to to really love that share a dream come true parade. You know, because again, huge Walt fan. You know, oh, I I know how much work was put into all of that, and 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 the snow globe. Boy, you don't see snow globes anymore on property, do you? Uh, but no. I, 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 I would say, uh, uh, for me, the um, uh, I, I, I would go with America on Parade again because of the spectacle, and I, I would think because of the emotional uh, connection. You know, as yeah. I said, you know, you, you get that emotional feel in Electric Light Parade, but boy, you see. America on Parade. I, I wish they would revive that because it was just like, I can get on board for this. This is this is great. Yes, you know. But I, I hear you. So, so here's our problem. Here's our problem. I thank you for sharing that. Our problem, though, is that we have barely covered two pages of the outline <laughs> that you have given me. If we were going well, well, to Epcot, then, then people are going to, people are going to have to go to Amazon and buy my well, book. That's Secret the deal. Is you are going to have to go to Secret Disney Stories World. of Extinct Walt Disney World, the world that disappeared by Jim Corcus on Amazon. We'll have the link in our on our and, post. And if you were like Jeff and myself, 
and have been bi-coastal and have been out and visited Disneyland. I also have a companion book, Secret Stories of Extinct Disneyland, that, that, that is you out there. And, and I, we, mm-hmm. need to, we need to go through that one, too. We need to take your best Disneyland book, and we need to celebrate <laughs> one of probably 20 and we need to we, when Disneyland reopens, we need to cover. We need to talk about your Disneyland books when Disneyland reopens as a celebration mm-hmm. for Disneyland reopening. But but to, or, to or, say, or maybe we need to do, maybe we need to do a podcast about the difference between Disneyland and Walt Disney World because a lot of people just see, oh well, aren't those similar? And it's like <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just wanted to tell um, those who are listening. Here are some of the things you're going to hear in the, when you read the uh, extinct uh, secret stories of extinct Walt Disney World. We didn't even cover uh, topics like Communicore, the as the Astuter Computer Review, Maelstrom. Mm-hmm. We didn't cover at the studios. Here comes the Muppets. Um, uh, uh, the Back to Neverland film. Uh, this. The Osborne Spectacle yeah. of Lights, Discovery Riverboats. We would have talked about that if we had more time. Pocahontas Center for his friends, and the, he and and Jim, you go beyond the parks to talk about things like um, Pleasure Island and um, Stolport and uh, the, the Eastern Winds of the Polynesian Village. That that would be a cool one, and. Um, and uh, Captain Jack's restaurant and more. I mean, there is so much in this book. So please grab a copy. And I would suggest grabbing two because you're going to be looking for a Christmas present for mm. uh, your friends this holiday season. So just order two. And that way you can keep one for yourself. Jim, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. And, and, and also if you order two, you get that free Amazon shipping. Yeah, yeah. Now we gotta figure out how to get uh, Merlin's autograph in all the books. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that another time. Another okay. time. Okay. Hey, Jim. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for joining us for this Disney at Play podcast, and my special thanks to Jim Corcus for sharing secret stories of extinct Walt Disney World. Well, not entirely Walt Disney World. We barely got out of the Magic Kingdom. But again, I appreciate him joining us and being part of that conversation. Please check out his book on Amazon. We have a link on our show notes page. And make sure that you also check out our Disney at Play and DisneyAtWork.com sites. Both two sites, DisneyAtPlay.com, DisneyAtWork.com. Make sure you check out our YouTube page, J. Jeff Kober. And uh, just join us for more uh, Disney that you have come to love. Again, in the words of Sinbad, Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.